It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the Support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax-deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla español. Welcome back to the show, or if you're a first-time listener, thanks for joining us. We're going to dive into AI again. This technology is here to stay, and it's the biggest change in technology since the search engine of the late 90s. Why? Because AI is even easier to use in a search engine, and it can create new content based upon your requests. I've used a mere sliver of AI to help me write a few things. For instance, it was easier to collaborate with ChatGPT to come up with a radio show title rather than using a search engine to find articles on how to create a radio show title. ChatGPT also helped me summarize an idea where I tend to write something that's long and drawn out. I was led by my friend Vivek Gargab yesterday to help me launch a content marketing strategy for my UK office since it offers a different focus than the Chicago office for now. But in a matter of three hours, we're able to outline a full content strategy and start getting big picture ideas on what content to create based on the ideal client profile I built, all using a natural language interface. So what's next with AI? I can't keep up, but I have three people here to help us explain what's next. Let's introduce my guests. To one side is one of our favorite Brits calling from London. He's been on the show before, and he endures my desire to keep visiting castles, to learn about British politics, and hooks me up with the best Indian food in England. Let's welcome Vivek Gargav. Hey, hi. Thanks for inviting me again. 
All right. And today we're also joined by Susan Westwater and Scott Westwater. They're both pioneers in the voice and conversational AI industry. Susan, with her rich background from top tier agencies, advises global brands on integrating conversational experiences into their strategies. She's a prominent voice in the field, having co-authored bestsellers like Voice Strategy and Voice Marketing. On the other hand, Scott, the co-founder of Pragmatic Digital, leverages his vast experience in design and UX, which means user experience, to craft AI solutions for diverse sectors. Together, they become a dynamic duo, shaping the future of voice technology and AI in marketing. So over the next couple episodes, because I don't think we can fit all this in an hour, we're going to explore how you can actually use these tools to create a better customer experience using AI. I feel like I'm already behind the time, so I'm going to start talking to Scott and Susan here. How in the heck did you get started in an industry that didn't exist six years ago? Well, Mark, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was really interesting because throughout our careers, we've seen the advent of the commercial web. We saw mobile technology, you know, really catch the consumer attention and even social uh, throughout our careers. And so back in 2016, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking a lot about this thing called voice and Amazon Alexa and how it's going to change how we interact with computers. And so at that time, I was a director of user experience for an agency in Chicago. And I started doing my own research and looking at how people were using the technology, what it involved, and got an Alexa device and started playing around with it. And we're like, yeah, this is actually going to be that fourth wave of technology. And it's going to fundamentally change how we as humans interact with computers. So in 2017, we decided to, to really shift our focus into this conversational AI and voice space ultimately to help brands and consumers figure out what this thing called AI is and how it actually can help make their business more efficient um, and even connect with consumers like they haven't been able to before. Well, okay, so I'm gonna start diving into some weeds here. What do you mean by connecting with the brands? I, I'm, a, I'm a Luddite. I, I'm really good at my CRM space. I'm really good inside my box, but I don't have an Alexa at home. I know of it. I haven't embraced it yet. So what do you mean by engaging it? The only experience I've had is a CRM vendor we work with failed miserably at building a skill yeah. for the Alexa device. So what they were trying to do, and I think there was a really good intent because in the CRM space, the sales reps are stereotypically lazy for data entry. So you would think Hey, an Alexa could be that voice assistant. Hey, Alexa, enter a note in for Vivek Gargav about this conversation today. You know, to build that skill, I thought that'd be kind of cool because I tried that with Dragon Naturally Speaking in 2014 and 15. Mm -hmm. And the pushback that I got was, I don't want to train my dragon. Puns intended. That was right. Dragon Naturally yeah. Speaking. They had to go buy Dragon. They had to buy a rocket of a PC too, to make that work because the memory and hardware use was so heavy that most PCs weren't handling that. So what would happen is the CRM, the desktop CRM was on the machine and I had it working and then I had Dragon running. And if I had a, a machine with maybe six gigs of RAM, four, 
it might have lasted like three sentences and then everything would start choking and then they'd blame me. It doesn't work. So I I was there way at the beginning, but it was I was too early. So maybe we'll start diving down this rabbit hole of how can a company use Alexa to build if somebody's got an Alexa, how would they build that experience for someone? Yeah. And, and first of all, I just want to address the fact that what you were talking about of, hey, the technology failed. Uh, they blamed me. They blamed the technology. They didn't blame the content. They didn't blame maybe the bad execution or, or any of those things. Uh, that's one of the things that is why we do what we do, why we've written the books we have, is voice has a ton of opportunity with it. But with that, also, if it's not done well, uh, basically the technology will get blamed, not our clients. Our clients are going to say, oh, well, it's because we don't have the right content or because we didn't think this through. It's that technology failed. And we, we've been very mindful over the past six years of making, trying to make sure that the, that, that the technology doesn't get failed, <laughs> doesn't get blamed when it's maybe perhaps operator error or ex it, it's, it's in the details. So when we talk about engaging, and this is one of the things where um, even as Scott was talking about the interest in voice. I have a very different take on that. Um, I'm going to go on record as saying Gary Vaynerchuk is not always my favorite person. Um, um, who is Gary? Nobody knows who Gary is, by the way. Can, can you help us on that? Oh, for sure. Are you being are you being sarcastic or, or for real? Because I never a little of both. Because I've heard. I think he's like some dude on LinkedIn. They make me follow, but I really don't know. Yeah, I, I don't he, think the audience does. I, I will. I will let the fanboy talk. So, <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk's an entrepreneur. He also runs VaynerMedia, which is one of the larger agencies based out of New York. Uh, he got to start by working with his father in his in his wine shop, and he became very famous for producing YouTube videos talking about uh, what wines pair best with cereal or what wines pair best with X. And so, he's a very big content marketing guy. And he'll, you know, gets really excited about a specific topic, talks a lot about it. Um, and at that time, he was talking a lot about, you know, again, this voice interaction thing with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, Siri to some extent. Uh, but, you know, since then, the marketplace has completely shifted and it's also matured quite a bit. So, you know, a lot of what you were talking about with the Dragon software, yeah, it was definitely resource heavy software. But now you're able to do voice interactions on, you know, the the Alexa speaker devices, on lower powered chipsets, things like that. So as long as there's a device with a microphone and a speaker, you can usually voice enable it at this point. So it's definitely become more ubiquitous and a lot easier to deploy. And now it's really more about what should that experience be? What kind of information do we want to have in it? What kind of questions do people have that we might be able to answer and help move them forward in their path to purchase? Things like that. Yeah. You know, I was just uh, going to sort of say, I think the infrastructure of something like the internet, I, th I think has had a really big impact as well on the adoption of these technologies. I mean, Dragon Simply Speaking, I mean, I remember playing around with that when that came out and it blew my mind because it was like Star Trek on my own PC. And it, it was amazing you know, when you trained it. But again, very much like Marcus found, I think, you know, it's so reliant on local environment that when you take that away and you have it on a SaaS server at the end, and it's a managed system by the, you know, say something like Google, and they've got their vast data centers, and you have uh, the core in infrastructure of 4G now, or uh, gigabit uh, internet that can handle that bandwidth. I think that's 
that's also been, you know, there's so many bits to all of these bits of technology that we use mm-hmm. that are so reliant and it is on the shoulders of giants, you know, uh, that we go forward. That, that was all. No, yeah. absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the interesting thing is, is you know, as, as, as there is the, the whole business side of it, of this capitalization and seeing these numbers, what for me, I actually am a few credits short of being a medievalist. I, I didn't finish that in, in college because that's what happens when you start in a liberal arts college, you start going down a path of, yeah, my parents were so thrilled to know that I wanted to go into medieval history. But and obviously, I, I, I no longer, but part of what was really incredible about those times is when we think about communication and information dispersal, it first started as troubadours and storytelling because literacy was not an important thing because of just the nature of that. Now, when when the, the printing press came forward and when we started to have written word, it was in Latin. Therefore, that was an education that wasn't vernacular. It wasn't until we had Dante and the Divine Comedy that we then started to see actual storytelling that was happening in print, in actual, in language of those people, uh, and you know, of, of a common vernacular of being Italian. What we're looking at from all of these perspectives of this voice is going kind of back to the, that oral tradition. And so there's a lot of opportunities, not just from a business perspective, but from uh, serving populations Mm -hmm. that might not always get the information that's really needed. So when we think about designing for in language, when I'm taking something from English to Spanish, Spanish to French, et cetera, that's a really big lift that we can't always do on websites, right? So then we have to start getting to the point of where that's at. With voice content, we have the opportunity to use multiple languages to reach to people who don't have, who have uh, literacy limitations, uh, even people who have disabilities that make it harder to read uh, and moving things into audio. So that's kind of the exciting part of that engaging of where now suddenly I'm able to take a brand, I'm able to find out. And then for someone who I wouldn't be able to reach before, I can actually speak with them and we can so find out what it is you want. And so, yeah. And the way that that works is so we all think Alexa, right? And then you guys were just talking about, and I love it, predating the the mainstreaming of voice technology. And that's where that comes to. We talk about the heavy lift, right? We had to have all this extra power. Now we've got a a puck on a desk (laughs) that can do these things and 90 million homes. So think about that from a reach. So can Uh, it, uh, you think, is that what you help clients do? Can it be almost like a universal translator? So if two two people are in the same room and I'm speaking in English, can Alexa say, turn that into Spanish for somebody and then pop it back? You can't necessarily do it with Alexa, but with Google Translate, you can. And so you're actually seeing things happen with the Pixel Buds, uh, real-time translation, and and some of the Alexa device, or I'm sorry, the Google devices. There was even a uh, hotel, I want to say in Tokyo, I had a screen-based Google Assistant sitting on the desk. And so they'd be able to translate from Japanese into whatever language the customer was speaking all via this device. We're rapidly reaching the point where real-time translation and and potentially even being able to speak um, other languages is possible uh, due to the technology that exists. Watson also, I've worked on projects with Watson that's done that where note-taking was done in the native language of those people on the phone. So yep. that when I was That's, working with Japan, they had theirs and we had ours in English. I, I was so close to, because I recently put, uh, created my phone to a Google Pixel, but just on that one feature, I almost stupidly went and got the uh, Google Flip phone, you know, uh, where you can fold it just 
purely because well, my my mother-in-law is actually staying with us for the next couple of months and and she speaks hindi and it was just because it can do real you know real-time mm-hmm. translation but we're using the flip side of the phone it shows to me on my screen it'll show it in english mm. and then on her side of the screen it would show it in a hindi script of what i'm saying and it, it, it it's amazing it really yeah. is this yeah. all, all of this kind of technology uh, my first real proper business exposure to voice and the importance of, of it moving forward was actually when i was it was completely unrelated but it was to do with data science and analytics uh, and it was using microsoft's technology of power bi and power pivot and they had just introduced cortana and they were trying to force cortana into every <laughs> every oh, niche they <laughs> I know everybody else what cortana is i think it was in windows 10 or windows 8 where you try tried to force that <laughs> voice interactivity yeah. people weren't quite ready and it was enabled yeah. by default so you're like well i don't want that i just want to type not i yeah uh, oh, i'm not in an environment where i can speak yet so i'm sorry i apologize i want to make sure everybody yeah. in the audience oh, yeah. cortana one. we yeah. think of cortana as um microsoft's answer to alexa and google assistant mm-hmm. it quickly became enterprise driven yep. and i don't actually know because it's been a while since i've played with any of that. Um, and I'll be honest, in the in the life of AI, we, we're talking more about Bard these days than we are Cortana. So that's very think, much where we think of them that way. Yeah, I, th- okay. I think she 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 she's passed away now, pretty much thankfully. Yeah. But that that was my thing. Was it was this? I was able to. I was I remember I was doing a, a, a presentation in the conference, and I just wanted to showcase the the abilities of this so that. Uh, you could be a you know a business leader or a manager or whatever you could be driving along and you could uh, ask uh, using your voice you could uh, it's all hands free you could ask your system to actually present you sales data or uh, dashboards and stuff uh, without actually having to take your hands off the wheel and yeah. then that led on to the whole thing of you know with our marketing is what I've noticed is everyone's moving away from, unless they want to get really deep into a topic, from the written word, going towards, you know, video and certainly audio, like podcasts and stuff. And that's that leaves your hands free to do stuff. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it, it's, it's an exciting time. And I think, you know, it, it's amazing that, that you guys have been there from the start. Yeah, <laughs> isn't, yeah I was going to say, it isn't just Alexa, it isn't just the speakers to answer your, I think, a few minutes ago, you had a question about that, Mark, of, of the yep. whole idea of what is voice, what is conversational technology, what is conversational AI. And that's ultimately, it's allowing you in either um, <clears throat> written or spoken uh, to be able to interact and work with a computer or with that robot and that particular entity to either control it, to get answers, to get information and all of that those pieces. Because there's the command control side of, I just give it a command and it does it. That's not really a conversation. <laughs> what we're talking about when that engagement of that back and forth, of that exchange, very similar to how we are right here. And as incredibly wonderful example, it's not a linear conversation a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so it is designing no. and navigating that. But we're, we're actually platform agnostic for that very reason is because what makes sense in a car doesn't always make sense for what's in store. What makes sense in store doesn't make sense for what's in home. So it's all about the environment um, and also figuring out what it is we're trying to accomplish. 
because sometimes it is when we talk about voice, that's really using spoken word voice. And that's really amazing when you had in the audio side of it. But there are times where it's not, it's not a silver bullet. It doesn't do all the things. And, and I don't think there's one tactic or channel that will, but it is a way of sometimes we need text assist. Sometimes we need others depending on the information. So that's where we talk about those engagements of how do I connect all those dots? So uh, if I am talking to a mobile app and I'm, I'm asking, or I'm asking Google assistant, can you give me that link that I can go look at later? Or can you give me uh, that PDF? Can you give me that link to that PDF or, or those types of exchanges or send me to a form on a website so that we can go through data protocol that way? Because it's easier for me to give you all my personal information typed than, than it is for me to speak it all out, depending on what the information is. So but this sounds like a class on how to leverage your phone for existing. You know, you, you know I'm just a regular person not running a company. I'm just using Google you know, Google AI, I'm sorry, Google Assistant to go through this or Siri if I'm on the Apple or do you start, yep. how are, I think we'll want to start figuring out is, okay, I can do that in Google. Are businesses able to leverage this? I mean, my clients, yeah. and I'm still a little old school here, you know, people want text-based reports. They're starting to get into the visualization of data. So for instance, rather than looking at a list of all my opportunities in my pipeline, they'll want to see a dashboard, an interactive dashboard that's graphically mm -hmm. represented. And then I click on something to see that. Do you foresee, and I think one of the other CRM packages I'm working with is starting to go there. And Vivek was what here in 2015 where I can type a question or I speech to text, what are my opportunities coming up this week? You know, I'm, I, I, I focus more on the B2B market and I think you don't, you, mm -hmm focus more on consumer, but do you think voice will be able to be personalized for that? So I go into my database or my, I can use the CRM example to be, because it's what I know. Can that be leveraged or can you, or is it one of your tactics to help somebody, you know, let's say you, you, you're hired by Salesforce to go in and leverage conversational AI. I mean, there's lots of companies that are adding the generative AI component to it where you can either type or use your voice to start asking questions. So if someone ties, let's say, ChatGPT, which is something that I think a lot of people have probably heard of, but maybe they haven't played with it, it's basically what we refer to as a large language model that has a lot of information in it. And mm -hmm. their interface is called ChatGPT, where you can literally type and ask questions or make requests. And depending on what kind of prompt you put in, uh, you'll get more richer responses based on the data set. So if Salesforce adds a generative AI layer or a voice command and control layer to their existing uh, CRM platform, absolutely. You'd be able to ask them, what were the sales numbers last month? Uh, who is the most effective salesperson this week? Like whatever your questions are. So things that you would normally have to do via a manual data pool or have someone you know else pull the data and then you do the analysis, you'd be able to actually do almost real-time uh, question and answers. So from a force multiplier standpoint, it's you know your your productivity is exponential because you don't have to spend all that additional time either outsourcing it and getting requests from other people or pulling the data and doing the analysis because it kind of happens in real time. But so yeah, so can they is chat GPT then like, I'll call it like a kit 
and I can apply, I can like a recipe. This is yeah. a raw ingredient, chat GPT. And I'm going to mix it with my, my own CRM or my own database. I'm a healthcare provider and I want to have that talk to my EHR electronic yeah. healthcare mm-hmm. record system. Now yeah. I not getting in the privacy and HIPAA compliance. Right, I, just right. wanted, I want to get, yeah, models, that's a whole, we yeah. only, have, right, we right. only <laughs> have an hour left for that. But the theory is, Hey, a doctor can go in and like, ask the questions. If it does, if the doctor doesn't know something, yep. they can use chat GPT with a raw ingredient plus their medical database yeah. to ask questions and yeah. pull contextual and customized answers. Yep. And Epic, actually, one of the big EMR EHR platforms actually has a voice capability. So they're actually with patient consent, you know, recording the sessions as the doctors are talking to the patients to do the clinical notes. Because one of the biggest challenges on the physician side is you're only meeting with people for about seven minutes. You're going from consult to consult. And then usually after your shift is over, you spend the next three to four to five hours actually entering your clinical notes. So just by being able to transcribe and have that information go directly into the patient's record, that's saving a lot of time, at least on the back end of what physicians normally have to do. But yeah, conceptually, you're right. You could use a chat GPT-like system. And I've actually seen, you know, med GPT and other tools like that where people are exploring diagnosis through and being able to put their symptoms into a tool like that and say, you know, here's the probability of it being this versus this. You always have to talk to a doctor to get proper diagnosis. You always have to get it for, you know, see your doctor for, you know, getting therapies and treatment options. But the idea is there's a high probability that these large language models can actually start to diagnose uh, different conditions. And then even with biometrics, you know, based on how someone breathes and their breathing patterns, AI can actually start to diagnose patients with, you know, sleep apnea or you know, even congenitive heart defects and things like that, but de- depending on what the biometric me- measures are or markers are. So there's a whole really crazy world of AI out there where things like that that seemed like literally impossible a year or two ago are now possible. And even being able to use AI to uh, look at genetic sequences and find insights that would take humans thousands of years to find, these AI platforms are able to do it in you know, hours, weeks, whatever. So I think we're going to see an explosion of uh, discovery that wouldn't have been possible, you know, with with having humans normally just looking at it. I just said, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, no, I'm always interrupting you guys, sorry. No, that's right. Uh, I think also it's going to impact sort of uh, using the terrible term or uh, every man but it is mm-hmm. a, 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 every person at, at a granular level because the same way when the google search engine came out and it totally revolutionized how people find information on the web i think you know i, I think the the term is sge but i've forgotten exactly what <laughs> is it search generative something i can't remember mm-hmm. what the e then yeah uh but basically, it's uh, and I think you know a lot of the providers of the various AI systems must be scared of Google now that it's it's kind of getting that momentum going back to where it used to be. You know, it used to be a big leader in in, in this kind of right. uh, field of 
when somebody searches, ensure, I mean, for Google, their business model relies on someone does a Google search and they remain on the Google page, they don't go off to right. the thing that they found. And then having AI and generative search results ensures that the visitor remains on the Google ecosystem. And then for us as marketeers, it's important, or as business owners, that we understand this is the direction, whether we like it or not, mm -hmm. that search is going, and we have to optimize our content or our strategies that incorporates this. And voice, again, I think is a critical aspect because, I mean, I've found I'm using Google Assistant more and more and more. Mm -hmm. I have my mobile just sat there on the worktop and I'll be doing loads of other things. I mean, yeah. my car is a Polestar that runs entirely on Google and it's yeah. all voice controlled mm -hmm. as well. So anyway, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 let's not be sorry. I think the challenge is um, as we're coming up to our halftime break for a minute, but I, if we can answer this, if Vivek is using Google to search for CRM providers in the United Kingdom, maybe we can start segueing into how can I get found on that page? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I know how to do it on text, I'm pretty good on getting found on Google that way. Is it a whole nother skill set that I have to get found in voice? No, but the one thing you have to realize is that in voice, there is no page of results. It's so then what one, happens? It's one answer, right? And then you can ask for more. But what it comes down to is good voice search optimization is starts with good search optimization. Yeah. So you have to have your featured snippets. You are looking at that. But the reality is, is instead of looking for keywords, you're looking for answering questions and you're looking to own the answers to those questions. So it's not about, hey, I just want a broad keyword. It's what are the actual, like for reality, we talk about frequently asked questions. They're actually, what are these legitimately, the frequently asked questions that we want to be able to answer. And then it is having, making sure you've got your, technical markdowns in those pieces there, which you've already got, and that you're on Google, and when you're on Google Assistant and Google My Business, that you're there so that around me is one of the most important pieces that people put in, because people ask questions like a sentence. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. All right, we're back for more, and we're going to try to solve AI in 30 minutes. Or Yeah, that's, you know, why, why not? Now we got more of the academic, big-picture business case. Let's get into something a little more practical, and I'm going to be the butt of a joke here because I think voice search is cool, but if I don't use it, Scott and Susan are just kind of out there. They're they're too far ahead of everybody. They're not serving a market. Nobody uses search because I don't. But I think at the break here, Susan, Scott, and anecdotally Vivek have stats that prove me wrong. Viv, I think voice search is useless. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the way I look at voice, it's like a third hand. So uh, from a business perspective, it's important because I'm constantly asking my mobile, uh, can you find this? I've got a question about that. And it's not just the, like consumer stuff, you know, who wrote, you know, hit me baby one more time. What was the name of that song from that lyric? But uh, it was, it, it's things such as, you know, uh, 
what keywords are trending in the last one month for a particular niche, you know, whatever. And so either Google will actually voice give that a summary of that result back, or it'll actually come up with a load of Google results that I can go off and look at a little bit later on and stuff. Now, it's still at a early stage, and and this is where Scott and Susan Susan will be able to uh, give more enlightenment. But the search engine uh, approach to giving us results is going to be very heavily influenced by our uh, by by the AI, and for us as marketers or business owners, in the same way we've been optimizing all of our content for Google search engines uh, or for social media, etc. I think, again, we have to really leverage LLMs and, and our own brains to actually ensure that we have uh, semantics, we have uh, synonyms, we, uh, we pose our subtitling as questions. If you've been following the digital marketing kind of trends, you'd have seen Everyone is trying to encourage people to have those snippets and those snippets are created from asking pertinent questions within a particular niche, but I'll stop. That's okay. Uh, You're, we're going to start getting, you know, in future episodes, I think we have conversations starting here that I mean, we can have a whole tangent on SEO. Yeah. I know enough to be yeah. dangerous, but Scott and Susan will specialize in that within the voice experience or in just general, they have more SEO knowledge than I do. But I like stats. Oh, we got the Vivek anecdotal evidence that voice is here to stay, but Scott and Susan are experts in the space. Tell us about how much voice is now impacting search. So we, for the past two years, we've run a research study and it's actually a nationally representative audience, 2000 participants in the US, UK and Germany. So it was a 6,000 person study. And we found that 63% of Americans are actually using voice and a high percentage of those people are actually using it on a daily basis. So like 40 or so percent of those people are using it multiple times a day. So we see the behavior of using the technology like way higher than we really expected it to be. Um, because you hear the anecdotal, well, I don't use it so no one else does, but then you go to a Target or a Walmart or whatever, and you see people in the aisles doing comparison shopping, literally by asking, you know, Google Assistant or Siri, what's the price of this? And being able to find a better deal potentially than on shelf. So you see that information, but it's something like 92% of those people that are using voice regularly are asking questions. And so from a behavior standpoint, consumers don't necessarily equate asking a question to search, but that's really what the behavior is. And they're looking for information about product services, they're looking for information about a problem that they have, but maybe they're not aware of what the solution is. So as we did the study, uh, there was a series of like 20 or 30 tasks that we asked them to rank and say you know, anything from ordering concert tickets to searching for information about a, a product, let's say. We actually saw a very clear sliver of the marketing funnel playing out. So we saw top of funnel asking questions during the awareness phase. We, at, we saw a lot of like product comparison, or um, looking up information about services in that consideration set. We even saw purchase and retention behaviors actually happening. So uh, the good news is the funnel is alive and well, and voice is actually a way to actually enhance that experience, address a lot of those top of funnel questions, kind of mid funnel questions to help convert people and move them through their path to purchase. The other thing I wanna highlight, because this is, uh, we think of new technology and you think that 
my dear Luddite, that you are basically 55 and over. You don't care. It's only for the youngsters. I'm 52. Almost there for your ARP card. Uh, when it comes to all of this technology, we've actually seen when we looked at the age groups, and this is why we were so adamant about it being nationally representative, it isn't just the 18 to 34 age sets that use that use voice. We actually saw usage across even 60 plus, even 70 plus. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's actually um, an incredible tool for helping with aging in place, especially in this day and age of where folks don't necessarily want to go to senior living centers as much anymore. They want to age at home. These are ways of holding on to that independence. So I think that's the in, best. Yeah, that's amazing. the best use of voice. Yeah, that's a really good because hey, and, I can just call across the room. We were mm -hmm. thinking about putting that in for my mother-in-law. Unfortunately, she passed away last year, but she was decent with computers in her early 90s. She was sending text messages and yeah. email, but boy, if she wasn't able to get up or do something or do, you know, mm -hmm. Alexa would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is the first time that the technology is learning from us. Yeah. Like we, like you said, learning how to text, learning how to do those things. This is a time where the natural language processing and all of those things are understanding how are we talking? How are we asking these things and, and processing it that way so that it's figuring out what we're asking for. Uh, and again, this is where the LLMs become super exciting. We're able to do that in a way that isn't quite as, it, it took tuning. It took a lot of other things. We're able to work that way much more quickly. And one level set I also want to just throw in here is we talk about artificial intelligence. People's brains go immediately to Jarvis and Hal uh, or, or Skynet or all these scary things. A gentle reminder that if you have ever used Spellcheck, Grammarly, or Autocomplete, you've been working with AI. So it isn't necessarily this um, incredibly massive rocket launching, NASA-driven type thing. It actually has these practical uses of where there's AI that is able to help you in, in, as a tool. Mm -hmm. And think of that way from a simplified. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to work with it. Yeah, I've used that. I'm noticing that even with desktop versions of Outlook, I have an Office 365 subscription. Mm -hmm. And in, I've seen it on my phone, of course, you got on my phone, you can do predictive words, you know, it's got uh, predictive words. And, and Vivek, I was using that in my BlackBerry in the 2010s as well. So what I've also noticed in Outlook desktop, if they've taken that technology, so you'll start seeing an email, it's a real subtle ad but it's starting to predict the words you want to use. So mm -hmm. just hit tab, tab, yep. tab. And so your correspondence gets faster. Yep. That's what the big Go players Google. are using. Mm -hmm. Google was doing that actually uh, a long time ago with yep. its Gmail. Is I remember everyone started losing their minds, especially in, in Europe, about Google reading your private data. And there was, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, what is big tech doing with our private information, which it's... It's, it's become even more of a serious topic mm -hmm. now, yeah. especially with AI training, et cetera. Another it's, show. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other show. Yeah, Zoom, a... Zoom has definitely yeah. walked back and clarified yeah. and said, that's not what we meant. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so yeah. sorry. Uh, they've updated their, the August 7th blog has now been updated with an August 11th blog of, that's not what we meant. We're not taking your data and stealing it all and using your trade secrets that you've been sharing on a Zoom call to train our data so that that now is becoming public fodder. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start getting, diving down a little more. I think we did it before the break. Are there actual, you mind anecdotal evidence or evidence? How can someone take advantage of this? 
in voice search. You, at the break, you were talking about a company in Florida was able to take advantage of voice search, and they're not big as Google. They're not Amazon. They're not, no. you know, billions of dollars behind them. What did they do to succeed using voice that's available to all of us? It's democratizing. It, it's democratizing the technology. Yeah, the, the short answer is Google My Business. So for any brick and mortar uh, local businesses that have a physical location, if you don't have your Google My Business account set up, do that. Because this the story that I heard, and I was talking to the person that implemented it, there was a, a pest control company in Florida. Uh, it was one of his clients. And their average weekly call volume was about 35 inbound requests. So 35 leads um, based on whatever tactics they were doing. When they actually optimized their Google My Business account and profile uh, with the questions that people are asking uh, and you know, relevant to the, the pest control industry, they actually increased their call volume to 720 or so weekly. So I don't even know what the quick math on that is, but it was a significant increase in the amount of inbound calls. And it was literally by just optimizing their Google My Business page. So that's one of the first things that we always encourage, especially local businesses to do because as people make those requests, they're going to look for a pest control company around me. And if Google knows you're in Valparaiso or Hobart or Maryville or whatever, they're actually going to serve up that version or that company as the answer, as opposed to someone from Chicago or whatever else. So that's one of the quick ways that local businesses can start to punch above their weight and actually start to outrank is looking at the questions that people have, you know, around those different things. And, and they know it from the calls that they have, from the email exchanges that they have, et cetera. Start baking those keywords and those phrases, those long tail search phrases, which we call them, put those into your profile as well to make sure that when someone asks that question, you're the one that comes up and not your competitor. Sweet. Well, this, so this is going to give you an advantage. Are there other tactics somebody can use straight away to start getting optimized for voice? Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I've been playing around a lot with is Google's Bard, which is a AI-based tool, much like ChatGPT. And what you can actually do is ask it, what are topics in my industry? So whether pest control or marketing or whatever, what are topics in my industry that have high amount of search volume and low competition? And so it'll actually go out and use keyword Google's Keyword Planner, and it'll actually pull back the results. And so when I did it this morning, I actually got about 12 or so results specifically around keywords. And then I got about another six or seven long tail phrases that I could look at um, optimizing for. And then I actually said, can you give me the numbers? So I actually know, you know, how many searches per month these different terms are using and what the competition is. And it actually gave me something that I could actually export into a spreadsheet. So literally by using that tool, I was able to use another platform or another tool called byword.ai and actually started putting those keywords in and having it generate articles for me. So as you think about blogs and attracting people to your website, creating contextually rich content based on the phrases and the questions that people have is another great way to make sure that you start to outrank your competition. And this is something that, again, it's free. It's something that's publicly available and anyone that's listening can do it for their business right now. And there's so, also the adjacent con to topics. So there's the, hey, these are my services. These are those pieces. Uh, we are living in a call brand kind of world. Uh, if, if you do is if, if you, the more, if someone asks for your brand, it will come up because you've, you've owned and make sure that you're covering off on that with your content. 
So um, making sure H1s actually have your brand name in them and pieces like that, it's kind of, it seems simple, but it needs to be in there so that you show up for it. But it's also the adjacent things as well. Uh, an example I can use this for a pro particular product that was a cooking product, making sure that our content was set up that they were able to show up if someone asked about recipes, about chefs, but also about cooking styles or something like that. And so it is making sure that you're also a part of the conversations that happen within your category, not just about your services or those pieces. Because again, um, when folks are looking for those things, we are hunter gatherers, let's be honest. And this is something that Google kind of pushed us away from that, didn't it? That whole idea of I'm going to look up a particular two, three word thing. I will look at those things. But when we think about how we information gather, or even when we go through a store, we don't just do that. We don't just beeline. We look at other things. There's other things along the way that are adjacent or relevant. So it's very much thinking of that way because when you aren't hampered by thinking about every letter you're putting in because you're typing it, you have a tendency to get more descriptive. You have a tendency to also add a lot more modifiers and those pieces that help refine that search. So it, again, it's not about broad, broad stroke. It's about making sure that you're covering off on the relevant specific questions that you want to own. So it's owning those answers which there are those who will say, well, that's what good SEO has always been. Now it's more than ever. And the exciting thing is, is that that content, like, again, there's an opportunity because there aren't paid spots right now. In um, voice search, there isn't, it's, it's probably coming, but today you can start to get down and that's, you know, imagine knowing what SEO was before SEO was a thing. That's the opportunity. Um, if you ever wonder, ask a, do voice searches on your competitors, see what comes up. Occasionally, it can be very interesting, or some of the big brands. You would be surprised how many times a Wikipedia entry comes up. And the reason why that is, quite <laughs> frankly, is because no one will ever be happy if Google Assistant returns you a, I don't know that. So anytime you hear Siri say, here's what I found on the web, that's there's nothing out there that's been told me what the answer is. So I'm going to default to Wikipedia. I don't know if any of you, if you think about this, but I don't think Wikipedia is my best marketing put forward. So that's an opportunity to grab as well. It's, it's what you were saying is quite important, Susan, because we've been trained uh, by Google essentially mm -hmm. to uh, whenever we try and find something on the web to speak in that weird Google keyword mm -hmm. broken sort of thing, uh, lawnmower, long grass, England. <laughs> so but the and we we I th I I really strongly uh, agree with what you sort of said we we're, we're in a transition period mm -hmm. in in the same you know for for us that are sort of a uh, little bit senior maybe upwards of 50 <laughs> that 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 period where we uh, ditched our uh, screaming modems for uh, the the clear blue skies of of 128k bits a second <laughs> of ISDN and stuff like that but where we started actually i think going over to using more natural language yeah. uh, and i think our our kids are going to be using voice a lot more. Okay, they they're glued to their mobiles with their text and stuff. But yeah, uh, I, I I've seen I do this very much myself on on my keyboard. I use a slide keyboard. I don't you know, and I rely very heavily on predictive text. Right. Uh, that it kind of guesses what I'm, and I'm you know I've got a new mobile. I have to re bloody train it. Uh, but 
I think with the kids, they're going to be moving forward. They're in this transition period, and their kids will be very, very much using uh, voice. I think. So it's, yeah, it's, and we we always say that we're just beta testers for our children and their children. So this technology is really going to be the way people interface and interact with digital in, in the future. And so like, I've got a, a story where, I mean, obviously we're in the space, so it's kind of take it with a grain of salt. But when our son was four years old, he was playing around with an iPad and he would always want like, okay, dad, can you show me videos on the Titanic or videos about sharks and whatever? And so he had YouTube kids and they had voice enabled it at some point. So I literally sat down after like the 10th time he asked me to find him a video. I said, do you see that red button with a little microphone on it? He goes, he goes yeah. I'm like, push it. He goes, okay, now what? And I was like, tell it what you want. And literally from that moment forward, it's like a whole world just opened up. So even now that he's 10 and he you know, knows how to type and whatever, he'll still hit the voice command on his iPad or on the computer or whatever. And he'll just tell it what he wants because it's easier for him. And he can also describe it in better words. Like you're right. You would never say, walk up to someone and say car or you know <laughs> red car it's like hey what kind of car do you have what do you think about it like you get a lot more context so there's a lot more nuance and and like i was saying before with voice search especially if it's a local business people always add around me on it so in my town or around me or then specifically naming the town and so the, those are again opportunities to optimize but you're right it's like google kind of trained us to like type this really weird string and pluses and fragments of things and and now with voice interaction it is much more natural you get a lot more context and nuance in the request so there's opportunity there and the one thing i also want to say is because we hear this a lot you expect me to use this whole new technology i can't even get social like i, I i'm dying help me figure out how to do that here's the thing the questions that you're getting on social are the same questions that you should be you, you can answer with your content there yeah so some of this work you've already done if you know anything about your audience you have been doing content generation or those, those those problems and you know how they're talking through it or you have a sales team you can ask them those are those questions these are opportunities for you to just maximize that and find that you know again right person right place right time right message that's where you're able to pull from there and and make those work together and actually they should because credibility is shared across this no one thinks oh this is the um, website version of your company and then here is your ivr part of your company they're very much seeing that as cohesive and so go ahead and use that information across now by no means does that mean take your brochure and paste it and put on a website I, I i just i'm sure everyone knows not to do that but i feel compelled to say it <laughs> is there a little cringing moment there for you yeah, yeah, might as well put it in Comic Sans while you're at it. No, um, but the, the reality of it is is that you can use these things and put them into then that natural language. And making something conversational doesn't necessarily mean putting a question mark at the end of it. it it's very much that how, as we were just talking through, it's that longer tail, how do I answer that in a, in a relatable, chunkable, digestible way? All right. Well, I've put together some raw ingredients by bits and tails you know, we talked about chat GPT way at the beginning when Vivek and I were helping each, you know, it's helping me. And then we have another raw recipe about Google My Business and a raw recipe, raw ingredient about search. So let's try to put these raw ingredients together and come up with a big picture action plan and then talk about where you can learn more about voice. 
So let's start with one raw ingredient. Uh, Vivek, what did you use to help me start building a content marketing strategy? What we got uh, ChatGPT to do was analyze your website by giving it the sitemap XML. And you can get that with, you know, inside your plugins, inside your WordPress, et cetera. And then basically the AI went off, read through the articles and it can do it really fast, which kind of took us by surprise. Then it reported back to us, you know, we was part of the questions that we had asked was analyze this and give us an idea of how there's a breakdown of the content with regards to our sales funnel. You know, is it kind of the top of the sales funnel, middle of the sales funnel, or are our articles skewed or content skewed towards the bottom of the funnel? Once we're able to get that overview, it's kind of you look of it, you know, the, 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 the sort of like the military people would call it as a sit rep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this is the state of the union at the moment. This is how we break down. Then we can actually start talking to the AI. It sounds crazy to say that, but trying to bounce ideas off it mm -hmm. to talk about how can we get, uh, create a, a marketing strategy and uh, possibly a sales strategy based on the content. This is what we want to try and achieve. These are the things that we're trying to go for. And then, you know, we copied and pasted your uh, bio persona into a chat GPT thing and started coming back with uh, really bona fide ideas. And, and it's really simple. And it's, you know, it doesn't take the, the cool thing about this generative LLMs is that you don't have to be really accurate with what you're writing and have a well-formed idea like you do with a Google search, you know, you've got to have those keywords put in. The LLM, to my shock and horror, when I first started doing this, understands the subcontext, mm -hmm. the the hidden meaning of what you're trying to do, even though you're not exp expressing yourself very well, it kind of gets that. And you can do this over a conversation and it's, you know, you can walk away from it. And it's, it's an on-demand conversation. So let's start there. And now we have that raw ingredient set up. Let's summarize. So I have that raw ingredient. I've got some kind of content marketing. Let's talk again about Google My Business and summarize what that is and then how search plays into that. Voice search. So, I mean, a lot of the things that you identify from a content needs by doing the analysis, top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, you basically can address those same questions in your Google My Business profile. And so they're likely going to give preferential treatment, although I don't know that to be true, to a Google My Business uh, result versus your own web results. But if you're able to identify those are the key themes, key questions that your consumers have by optimizing that Google My Business profile against that, you should start to see more inbound requests, more conversions, et cetera. At the end of the day, we're all about trying to uh, pre-qualify leads and, and help them you know, self-service and find their, their information that they're looking for at the very top of funnel. So that if you have a sales force or if you have you know, a call center or whatever, by the time they hit there, they're already more educated and you're not answering those basic questions that you answer 500 times a day. And so ultimately we see this as a way to enhance and augment versus completely replacing. So the idea being, you want to empower people, give them information if they want it, but if they still want to call, that's great. Let them have that option as well. So this is just another arrow in your quill and another way that you can reach people, you know, especially as this behavior becomes more and more prevalent.
Yeah, it's it's actually all about answering three questions of, am I in the right place? As in, is this the right company? Can they solve the problem I have? And uh, why would I want to work with them? If you can answer those three questions, which is at the heart of all content strategies, that ladders up to eat. And then you're able to then from there be able to be more relevant and be able to then show up in those results that you want to, to the people you want to reach. Well, you know what? That's a lot of info to take in. And we are coming towards the end of the hour. It's kind of like one of those therapy sessions. We have to stop now. What I'd like to do is thank everybody for coming here. Uh, you know, thank Vivek, Scott, and Susan for coming. If you really have questions on AI and voice search, you can visit the Westwaters website at pragmatic.digital. That's not .com, it's .digital. And oh, aren't you speaking at a conference soon? If you're really into this stuff, aren't you on the speaking circuit as well? Yes, um, I, I will be actually talking about how basically it's pragmatic strategy of not reinventing the wheel to use new technology. And that's going to be at the Voice and AI conference, which is from September 5th through 7th in Washington, D.C. It's put on by the good folks at Modeb, M-O-D-E-B. Awesome. Well, hey, if you've missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday, on the following Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or the live stream at WVLP.org. And I store the past shows on my website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast, or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. Thank you very much for spending time with us today and we'll see you next week.